now, here's Armstrong and Getty. This is really not a convenient day for the computer to be treating me the way it is. Live from Studio C, Senor! Deep within the dirty, stinking bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Information Complex, this is the Armstrong and Getty Show. For thee, he hesitates as he drags his phone out of his pocket. Monday, the 26th of July, the year of our Lord, 2021. Jack will not be joining us today, as I understand it, as he is dealing with some family business. There, finally, it fires up. Why do you do this to me? Days I'm running late. It's always days I'm running late. As I was gallivanting about the land, playing golf with uh, friends, visiting family, etc., my flight was quite late in arriving last night. And I am sleep-deprived and groggy. I'm sucking down coffee at a rate which will yield one of two results. A heart attack or some sort of emotional breakdown screaming fit where I just lose it. End up in HR. Do we even have HR anymore? I don't think we have HR anymore. No, that's why I'm still here. Yeah, okay. (laughs) He keeps walking around the halls trying to figure out who to complain to and he can't figure it out. You know, we're not introducing everybody on the squad these days as much. We're trying to figure out how to redo the show. And so, oh, that's right. Young Alex has been, uh, he's off of COVID uh, the, the isolation. And now he's doing emergency duty at another station, which lost a guy or something. So we don't have him. We don't have Jack. So how's your weekend, Michael? Uh, pretty good. Still got the rental car, though. I'm sick of it. I They can't get the parts for my car because I got in the car accident a while back, and so I'm just stuck on hold. So I'm getting to learn, you know, how, what a rental car is like long term, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're fortunate to have a car. Yeah, I am. A, a buddy of mine, I mean, you, you've all heard the stories. We brought you the stories about how... Um, uh, all the rental car companies are slammed. They have no cars. They sold them all off. A rental car is insanely expensive. One buddy was uh, he was taking a golf trip from, uh, I guess they they flew into San Francisco and uh, drove down to Monterey and they rented an SUV, and it was costing them between six hundred and fifty and seven hundred dollars a day. I, can't you get a limo and a driver for that? Yeah, I'm lucky my car is being paid for, so I I can't complain. Yeah, and then I had another friend, and, and this uh, this gent's done well in life. He, uh, if I had his money, I'd burn mine. Um, but he, uh, his his very expensive car broke down, which struck me as kind of funny. I didn't I didn't really question him on that because that wasn't the point of the story. But when was the last time you had a car quote unquote break down? And just all of a sudden, you had to pull it off to the side and and and, and call for a tow truck. It's been a long, long time for me. But anyway, so his, his very nice, expensive car breaks down, and he was on his way to uh, the airport, as I recall. And he, he figured, well, I'm a man of means. i got to get home. It's something to do with his son. And so, uh, and so he started calling around looking for rental cars, and he was willing to pay anything. Again, a man of means, a successful man, which we celebrate in this country. We don't demonize it. Anyway, so he calls around, he gets a, no, sorry, we're out. Oh, no problem, I'll call the other place. He calls the other place. They got no cars. They got no vans. They got no, like, you can't rent one of those little clown cars, smart cars that look like, you know, just inviting death on the highway. He called and he called. He could not find an automobile. 
in a pretty significant metro area, too. So, uh, yeah, weird times. You got any spare cars? Have you thought about renting them out? Because I've thought about doing that. You know, I sold a uh, a car and a house like uh, three months right before the peak. And and the greed head in me really, really wishes I'd waited. Um, but that's not the way markets work. You can try to time them. And occasionally you do time them accidentally. But it doesn't happen very often. Anyway, this morning, <clears throat> we are under the tutelage of general manager American Pessimism. I think, uh, or uh, lady soldiers, or twenty thousand dollar trash cans. We have all sorts of good stuff to talk to about, talk to you about this morning. And and please don't freak out when I say this. I'm going to bring you a little bit of information on the COVID and vaccines and stuff like that, as good solid information uh, presents itself. I flipped on the uh, the cable news this morning, trying to wake up. Because I knew, you know, if I flip on CNN, within five minutes I'll be angry. Hell, within the 45 seconds I'll be angry. And I thought, given my lack of sleep last night, that'd be a good strategy. A little coffee, a little CNN, I'll be angry and wired. Uh, flipped them on, and uh, they were just full on. It's, it's May 2020 COVID red alert. And I thought, wow, this is their Indonesian airliner still. I just, I, I hadn't watched CNN for a while. Just got tired of it, the sameness. Uh, and so I flipped over to MSNBC, and they are flogging the hell out of COVID. And, I mean, if you recently returned to the planet or something like that, I suppose you would, you'd want to hear this stuff. Um, but literally nowhere on God's green earth, uh, has there been a lack of COVID information. So that's it, Dr. Cardi. I mean, if I'm in Indonesia or, or somewhere in Africa, man, they're, oh, it's horrendous in the third world right now, man. If you're not following this, uh, it's the Delta, Delta variant that's uh, so crazy contagious. And I, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to give you the gloom and doom, but be glad you're an American. Oh my God. Be glad every single day you're an American. Stand on your damn feet for the national anthem at the Olympics. Be grateful for what you've got. A little perspective. I was reading more of James Lindsay's great book, Cynical Theories. It's about critical race theory and, you know, queer theory and fat theory. Did you know there's a fat theory? There's a fat theory. Fat! Come on, Michael. Fat! And the thing about all of those closely tied philosophies slash techniques, it's more a technique than a philosophy. It's a, a technique of tearing things down. You're just trying to destroy the traditional. You're trying to destroy the the existing, the power structures as you perceive them. So there's a lot of it, in, including some of the queer theory thing. The point is, and that's not like gay rights. It's it's very different than than the classic liberal gay rights movement, uh, which most of us are, are pretty down with these days. But uh, I'm not going to speak for you. I'm just saying. Um, but the point of the queer theory is it's incomprehensible, that it, it's contradictory. It, it Just when you think you got it, they change it, and that's all intentional. And the critical race theory, to some extent, is the same. You're not supposed to get it. It's supposed to be a, a circular logic hall of mirrors, something or other, because that's how you tear down the systems that you feel are oppressive. Um, and, and oh, oh, Lindsay makes this great point. Uh, he was talking about, I think, intersectionality and, and how it relates to critical race theory and blah, blah, blah. There's just so much terminology and so much of it is bull dung. Anyway, um, 
he's he's talking about the fact that it's made to be completely confusing because if you don't understand it, you can't what criticize it. How can you pick apart and point out the flaws of something that's so confused and 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 circular? That how can you criticize that? You can't even comprehend what the hell they're talking about. And yet, as you're sitting there saying, "Wait a minute, two seconds ago you said X, now you're telling me Y." It's, and then they yell, "Racist! Racist!" And then your company gets 15 emails. From, you know, some anonymous activist jackasses around the country that have gotten your name and you're next up in the great cancelathon. And your company thinks, well, we can't have a racist working for us. And now all of a sudden your career is gone. And you, not only do you not know what hit you, you don't even know, you know, where it came from. I still don't know what you're talking about. It's insidious. So when you're asked to embrace terms that strike you as bizarre, like birthing people instead of moms, for instance. Uh, when you're asked to uh, accept that a man can show his crank in an L.A., uh, it was a spa, I guess, um, because he identifies as a woman. When you're asked to buy all this stuff that in your brain you're, you're thinking, that doesn't make any sense, that's bizarre, wait a minute, I don't want to be a hater, but that's bizarre. It is bizarre. It is crazy, and they're trying to make you nuts so you lose hold of what's real and what's not. And then, then when you're sitting there babbling and drooling and shuffling your feet, not knowing where to turn, that's when they grab power. And and then and you're not going to like the way they use it. Anyway, a uh, big poll about uh, Americans' attitudes toward the country and the president and all sorts of stuff. Uh, really interesting results, uh, not terribly surprising, although a huge change since the inauguration, I guess, is the headline. We do have an Olympic team that says, hell yeah, we're standing for the anthem, uh, U.S. Olympic team. And, uh, and, and I just came across this study, and this is in no way making light of uh, mental illness or anxiety or depression or anything like that. They went picking through a major pew poll that came out late last year, but for some reason this didn't come out at the time. Not shocking. Over 50% of white women who identify as liberal, this is white women under 30, have a mental health issue. Over half. Over half. How in the world can that be? That much more to come. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Thanks for the rush, Michael. Help buoy me. Thanks for being here, my friends. It's funny uh, being like super sleep deprived even more than usual in this line of work. Often I feel in a weird way great like at a peak, but there's a limited amount of time that's true. And then you then you get to the, the, the crashing, the weeping, the lashing out, the rest of it. It's coming. Stay with us, won't you? 
It could be one of those legendary days, you know? Somebody goes crazy on the air, starts screaming obscenities, and the rest. You were there. You can say, did I hear about it? I was listening live. Wouldn't that be exciting? Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. Ah, that uh, that is refreshing just when I don't need it. Whenever I hear anyone, oh, I'm sorry, your freedom-loving quotes of the day this week are going to come from Abe Lincoln, probably next week, too, because I'm a bit of a Lincoln file. Uh, The idea that Lincoln was not uh, pro-abolition or that he harbored uh, awful views about black people is idiotic. It is absolutely flaming ignorance. For his time, he was way progressive. Anyway... Uh, your Abe Lincoln quote, whenever I hear anyone arguing for slavery, I feel a strong impulse to see it tried on him personally. Amen to that, Abe. Mailbag. Here's a nice note from Simon. You suck at the teat of right-wing media constantly. You disparage the vaccine you have already received. You are killing people. Tucker Carlson is you. You are him. Thank you for your... Thank you for your input, sir. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin uh, at that. Uh, disparaging the vaccine, that's crazy. I tell everybody they ought to get it, but it's up to you. A uh, nice note from Randy. Been listening to the podcast version of your show for just shy of 13 years. Thanks listener, for listening, Randy. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So he mentions the commercials and that fact that he's French-Canadian. I think, is he, are you listening in the French-Canadia? Uh, Randy? Anyway, I get French language ads in the podcast. It has to do with where you are listening, that sort of thing. Brings me to my point. I've recently heard you say some podcast listeners are disturbed by adult content ads during their podcast. Not only does this not have anything to do with you. Yeah, we have nothing to do with any of that. Uh, it, it more likely has to do with their own web search behavior. The next time somebody complains about the ads, remind them that when you point a finger at someone, you have four fingers pointing back at you. Or something like that. You actually don't, unless you're, you'd have to break your thumb, for one thing. Anyway, I really don't think all of those people who are complaining, Randy, secretly are, are shopping for uh, <clears throat> marital aids online. But if you are, Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos and, 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 and Google and all those geeks, they know it. Oh, that reminds me, we probably ought to talk about it at some point. Uh, the Biden administration appointed a bunch of folks uh, to, to positions within the administration who are known crusaders against big tech. Uh, or at the very least, they're, they're, uh, they're very happy to give big tech a hard time, uh, which is interesting given the unholy uh, marriage between big tech and the Democratic Party these days. So that'll be interesting to, to develop. Matt, with a uh, fairly common request, uh, Joe mentioned uh, a book with red in the title. I did? Uh, Jack talked about one regarding anarchy. So many more that are lost to me because I am driving and I cannot write them down. Please help. Maybe a list on the website. Thank you. Uh, I, we, we must, and by we, I mean Mike Hansen, our executive producer, we need to start compiling a list of books that we mention and have them on the website. It really is. You can't ask people to, to memorize it as they're driving, going about their, their work, the rest of it. Um, I've always wondered, he, he writes, about the acronym thing many people do at the end of the email. It gets, uh, I get it's a funny, ridiculous thing society does, but is there an origin story for the joke? Why people 
sign off with ridiculously long acronyms for us. I don't I don't remember how that started. Oh, it started with KF, KFTC, which was our informal uh, slogan there for a while. Um, we don't have that KFTC clip handy, do we, Michael? It's uh, one of the stranger and least explicable tapes in broadcast history, but we'll, we'll play that for you in a minute. Uh, Ward writes simply, no border closure, no mask. Oh, I get it. You going to demand I wear a mask everywhere I go? Boy, I was in airports yesterday. I hadn't had a mask on for more than a blink of an eye for a month. Oh, I hated it. Ugh. And then this note from Ed, who points out at the uh, in the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, uh, the Taiwan team is not allowed to compete under their own name. They compete under Chinese Taipei, I guess. Can't fly their flag because China would have a fit and do something, I guess. But, man, you do not want to be under the boot heel of the communist Chinese. The mood of the country is sour. That and much more. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. After watching the Olympic Games, you see the eight fastest men in the world, the eight fastest women in the world. I think we forget how fast they are. You know what I think they ought to do to keep it in perspective? Pull somebody out of the stands, give them a shot at the goal. <laughs> Section 32, row 6, seat 9, come on down, you're going for the goal. Some fat guy with a selfie stick. That is a 35-second 100 meters right there. Baby. That was a lively audience. I didn't think those jokes were that good. <laughs> they were screaming in delight. Oh, boy. Uh, speaking of the Olympics, the, uh, the gals soccer team got defeated in the courtroom again, as well as the butt-whooping from Sweden. I guess they or Was it uh, not Sweden? It was one of your Scandinavian countries. Maybe it was Sweden. Ah, uh, they bounce back and then they just beat down our friends, the New Zealanders. Uh, we'll see how it goes uh, going forward and whether they're respectful of the flag and the anthem and the rest of it. But uh, a judge rejected once again their their suit that they don't get paid enough or don't get paid the same as men. Uh, essentially, told them they're out of their minds and go stop bothering me. So we'll uh, we'll give you the reasoning of that, and it's they they have no case. I mean, they're, they're, it's just, they, well, we'll talk about it in a minute. They have no case. In May, just a little over a third of us were pessimistic about the uh, state of the, the country and which way it's going. Now it's a majority. From May to July, we've gone from 36% to 55% say they're pessimistic about the direction of the country. That is something. Um, I wonder if it's the uh, the resurgence of the vid, which has actually been fairly modest. Maybe the fact that the president's a senile old man and the vice president's a halfwit. I don't know. This is from the liberal ABC News. As President Biden completed 100 days in office, the country was optimistic about the coming year. But now after just hitting the six-month mark, Americans' optimism about the direction of the country has plummeted nearly 20 points. I said, you kidding me. Again, about 55% say they are pessimistic about the direction of the company. 
In early May, Americans were more optimistic than pessimistic by a 28%-point margin. Optimism is now underwater by 10%. From 28% positive to 10% negative? Not a joke. Looking ahead to the uh, next 12 months, fewer than half, 45%, now report feeling optimistic about the way things are going. A significant drop from about two-thirds in the May poll. The decline in optimism has occurred across the board among Democrats, Republicans, and independents. Optimism is down about 20 points among Democrats and Republicans. That's interesting, isn't it? As we always point out, uh, this can be semi-misleading if uh, uh, twenty those 20% uh, percent of Democrats think the president's not liberal enough. This is the wrong track. And the 20% of Republicans are thinking, the president's too damn liberal. This is the wrong track. It seems like they're agreeing, but they may be polar opposites. Uh, so both uh, Democrats and Republicans down 20 points in the last few months and down 26 points among independents. I'll bet they're seeing the utter lack of cooperation, bipartisanship, and thinking, I thought the old bastard was going to bring us together. I thought he was going to reach across the aisle. I thought he was a moderate. He's moderately sentient. Among Democrats, about 7 in 10 now say they're optimistic about the direction of the country over the next 12 months. That's much lower than the near universal approval of Democrats on Biden's handling of the pandemic. In politics today, partisans usually are more unified in their support or opposition to particular issues or people. Yeah, that's certainly true. You're just you expressing to the pollster what tribe you're in. You're not answering the question. The optimism-pessimism flip comes as Americans give Biden his lowest approval rating for his handling of the pandemic yet. A little over 6 in 10 approve of the president's response to the coronavirus, according to the poll, which is still a pretty good number, honestly, given... Given the particulars of the thing, it's a uh, terrible yet confusing disease that is fine for most people, kills hundreds of thousands, become thoroughly politicized, the news is flogging it for clicks and ratings, so yeah, yeah, I get why, um, I mean, it's it's tough to, to, to um, it's tough to interpret the number, 63% approve of the president's response, but you know, it's been fine as far as I can tell. Uh, Although still a majority, it's a nine-point drop from late March, the high for Biden, likely reflecting growing concern that lockdowns could be reinstated. Uh, We will ignore them, right? All right, I'm I'm not going to get locked down. They're going to have to arrest me. I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, And uh, already vaccinated Americans could need a booster shot. That's funny. I don't have the least worry about a booster shot, so I'll go in and get jabbed again. Gotten jabbed plenty of times in my life. I just I don't even care. Uh, as the highly contagious Delta variant now is estimated to account for 83% of all new coronavirus cases in the United States. As of Friday, according to Health and Human Services data, the United States daily case average was up 47% compared to the prior week. Well, I'll finish the sentence and then the buzzer. Michael, you can get the real buzzer ready. And on Wednesday, the nation recorded its highest single-day new case total since April. Cases! Cases is a nearly irrelevant number. Young, healthy people getting the sniffles for a few days is a good thing. Unless for some reason, grannies among the tiny percentage of our oldsters who are unvaccinated and they go give granny a big sloppy kiss and give her the Chinese bat fever. Obviously, that's tragic, but it's extremely rare. And those kids who are getting it 
are almost universally fine, and now they have immunity. It's as good as vaccinating them. Which reminds me, uh, there was a piece in the Federalist. Um, uh, where is that? Is that it? It's around here somewhere. Uh, the CDC, I think, did an analysis, and they found zero fatalities among healthy children. Zero. Obviously, if a child is, is ill or immune compromised and passes away at an early age, it's it's beyond speaking sad. Um, don't mean to belittle it, but let's face it. We as a society are making decisions about schools and, and, and lockdowns and the rest of it, often based on inaccurate, overcooked, clickbaity information. And rational humans, and I'd like to think there are a few of us left, we need information to go on. And if you're going to commit the unspeakable, unpardonable sins against the children that we have, keeping them from each other, keeping them uh, out of school, and, and liberal America... You you just you, you fell for the harem scarum stuff because you hate Trump so much, and it's done so much damage to the kids. But if we're even going to consider some of the measures that we've taken, my goodness, the least we can do is get good solid information. So a few details on that story uh, coming up in a couple of minutes. So the case average is up. Who cares? Uh, the deaths are ticking up. Uh, but that's probably to be expected. There was a surge in the late summer, or um, I guess it's more midsummer last year as well. Couple numbers. According to the ABC News Ipsos poll, about six in ten Americans are concerned. Twenty vary and forty-two somewhat that they know someone will become infected infected with the coronavirus. About four in ten are not concerned about this. Let's see, concerned someone I know will be infected with the coronavirus. Uh, no, no, I'm not really concerned. I mean, it's not like I don't care, but do I spend any time thinking about, oh, gosh, I hope, you know, my dad isn't infected with the coronavirus? Not really. No. Although, you know, he's 80, and and, and breakthrough cases exist. Something's 96% effective. That means it's 4% not effective. But I don't think about it much. That is the lowest level of concern in polling by ABC News going back to March 2020. Significant gap since this question was asked in early March of this year, when less than 20% of the U.S. population was partially vaccinated. Since then, every American 12 years and older has become eligible. In the ABC Ipsos poll, about three-quarters of U.S. adults say they've had at least one dose of the coronavirus vaccine, which, similar to other recent surveys, slightly overstates the number of Americans who have been vaccinated, according to the CDC, as if they know what's going on. Uh, the CDC says it's about 69% of the adult population has received at least one dose. But if you, let's call it 70 just for the sake of simplicity, but if you add people who've had it and haven't gotten vaccinated, including just vast numbers of uh, teens and 20-somethings who've had the damn thing, some of them know it, a lot of them don't, don't we have to be getting close to 85, 90% of people who have immunity? You know, I'm with Scott Gottlieb. He's not, he was saying, I guess it was, well, we do have some Scott Gottlieb clips. Um, he was saying he doesn't really expect the, uh, the, the, the awful result. Um, go ahead with 70 and then we'll leave this alone. Well, look, the first thing I would urge Americans to do is to get vaccinated. We know that vaccines are highly effective even against this Delta variant. There was data in the New England Journal of Medicine out this week showing that the vaccines are 88% effective against 
symptomatic disease. And certainly yeah, anyone who goes out that. and gets vaccinated right now is going to have a vaccine that protects them through the fall and the winter. So they're going to have broad, durable protection from that vaccine. Yeah, every, Scott, everybody knows that. Everybody knows the vaccine's available. Everybody. So uh, thanks for that information. Um, on to other topics. Approval of the president's handling the uh, country's economic recovery from the pandemic has also dropped by seven points uh, when six and ten approved. Um, I I cannot imagine. Well, you have no understanding of economics if you approve of, of the way the Biden administration is handling the so-called recovery. It's It's been a horror. It could lead to just awful results, inflation. I mean, I... It's, I got all sorts of articles around here about uh, skyrocketing, skyrocketing costs here, inflation there, just shocking increase in prices there, and and it's just it's not good. Although jobless claims were expected to hit a new pandemic era low Thursday, instead they increased to a level last not seen since uh, mid June. Too late if it's uh, a trend. The overwhelming majority, eighty eight percent of Democrats, approved of the president's handling of the economic recovery. Only about half of independents do, and less than two in ten Republicans do. Uh, the president's under uh, water at uh, the border ratings, of course, because that, that could not be worse, their handling of it. Uh, violent crime rates have got uh, people up in arms. Uh, 86 to 92% of Republicans disapprove of that. Yeah, not surprisingly. Well, the sideload information that people take in, if lefties have never even heard that, they've never heard the voices of all the business people saying we can't hire people because we're competing with the government. People are making too much money staying home. They're telling us to our faces, we're not going to come back to work until those uh, those benefits run out because we're enjoying ourselves. And all they hear is Paul Krugman, that lying little communist troll in the New York Times or uh, they're talking head uh, faves on CNN, MSNBC, the Alphabet Network's telling them, oh, that's a myth. People are not staying home because they're getting uh, enhanced uh, government benefits. If that's all they hear, well, yeah, they're going to form some odd ideas about the handling of the economy. But um, I'm hoping that's over soon. I was talking to a couple of friends who uh, are employers, and they say it is just, it's it's borderline hilarious. Nobody wants to work. They, they have to offer signing bonuses, and this is for like minimum wage type work. Signing bonuses, uh, you know, 15, 17, 18, 20 dollars an hour. They can't get anybody to apply. I came across this one piece. This guy, you see, uh, he's in agriculture, granted. He said there hasn't been a white person apply for a job here in five years. Nobody. And it pays good. It's a solid, solid uh, living. They can't get anybody to apply. What are we doing? What 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 is this economic system called? Like I was saying last week, where the government bids up wages semi-intentionally, maybe. Mm-hmm. The government says, "I give you a, I give you forty-five a year to stay home." The employer says, "I give you forty-seven fifty to come to work, or forty-seven five to come to work." Government says. I'll give you fifty grand to stay at home. And the employers are desperately just trying to get an air-sucking homo sapien to apply. If they apply, they don't show up for the interview. If they interview and get hired, they don't show up for the first day of work. Strange, strange, and yet large percentages of Democrats approve of the handling of the, the recovery. Okay, 
All right, we'll see how it ends up. Uh, more to come, the ladies' soccer. Uh, they, they lost on the field. They lost in the courtroom. We'll have that for you in moments. Final seven seconds here. Lillard puts it up. Holiday. No, and that will do it. So France has beaten the United States in the first game in Pool A. Final score 83 to 76. Uh oh. Noted basketball powerhouse France. They do have some NBA players on there. I didn't watch the game. I heard the result. I get the news alerts on my phone. So, and I can't turn off the news alerts really given, you know, our line of work. I suppose I could for a week, see what happens. But, uh, so I'd seen the result already. I'd read the description and I thought, ah, oh, what's the point? Standing there in the airport, I just kept walking back and forth terminal to terminal instead. But my understanding of it is, you know, it's the, the typical all-star team disease. They just, it's my turn, then I play one-on-one basketball, then it's your turn, and the, very little team play. Nobody really distributes the ball, that sort of thing. But the NBA is dead to me, as I've made clear. So moving along, uh, I understand Jack will be joining us uh, for a bit next segment um, on the phone. He is uh, dealing with some family stuff today, but we will uh, chat with him in a moment. The U.S. women's national soccer team on Friday appealed a decision uh, on its equal pay lawsuit, they will get nowhere with this. Um, The ruling last year dismissed the suit, arguing that the team could have selected the same collective bargaining agreement as the men's team. They rejected it. They're suing, saying the men get paid more than us, and it's discrimination. It's not, for reasons we'll get into. But, um, yeah, they, they had the option to take that, and they turned it down. Um, they say the uh, Judge Klossner's decision was based on flawed analysis of the team's compensation. According to the Wall Street Journal, uh, they, they want the judge to reconsider several factors, including the women's team on average wins more games. The appeal reads, in effect, the court held that pay is equal if a woman can obtain the same amount of money as a man by working more and performing better. That is not the law. Well, that's not the question either. Um, let's see. On Friday, the Soccer Federation addressed the appeal in a tweet. Quote, the district court rightly noted that the women's national team negotiated for a different pay structure than the men's national team and correctly held that the women's national team was paid more, more, both cumulatively and on an average per game basis than the men's national team. The USSF concluded the statement by affirming its dedication to the women's national team. Blah, blah, blah. We love them. Positive paths. Play hard. We love you. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Um, so, but there's more to this. Um, they finally had to admit they're paid the same, if not more, than the men's national team. Um, the judge pointed out the women's national team was willing to forego higher bonuses for benefits such as greater base compensation and the guarantee of a higher number of contracted players. Accordingly, plaintiffs cannot now retroactively deem their collective bargaining agreement worse than the men's by reference to what they would have made had they been paid under the men's national team's pay-to-play term structure when they themselves rejected such a structure. 
The women's team previously attempted to get the pay discrimination claim reinstated by appealing to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Now they've filed their direct appeal uh, with the judge's ruling, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, da, 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 da. Molly Levinson, spokeswoman for the players, told CNN, if a woman has to work more than a man, be much more successful than him to earn the same pay, that's decidedly not equal pay and violates the law. Uh, she goes, um, as the Daily Wires reported, the women's soccer team brings in less money because it has fewer viewers than men's soccer. The only time this changes is when the women's team makes it to the World Cup, something the U.S. men's team has not done. Um, and there's also the factor that the men's soccer outside of the World Cup in the Olympics is vastly more popular. And to get these guys to show up and play for the team, you have to bid higher than their next best alternative. That's just economics. It's not discrimination. It's not sexism. It's not misogyny. It's not paternalistic oppression. It's just economics. Be better negotiators. huh? How about that? Armstrong and Getty.